This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. Every February for the past three years, Dave and I have fished a day on the Blue River, about an hour or so west of Madison, Wisconsin. Now, the Blue is really a small spring creek. The previous two years, we fished it on spring-like days in February. I think one of them hit 60, didn't it, Dave? Uh, That's right. I remember that. But this year, we fished it on a day that barely made it to 30 degrees. So even though we did a podcast on this stretch of river previously, we're going to talk about it again because it really was a completely different day. So what do you remember first about that day, Dave? I know your, your day started a lot earlier than mine did. I always begin uh, the day by picking you up. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I live north of you, what, about an hour or so? About an hour, almost exactly yes. an hour. In God's kindness, uh, I'm, I'm north of Dave, and we fish north. So <laughs> So I left roughly about 5.30 a.m. Oh, and uh, drove and picked Steve, Steve up in Libertyville. So my day got off to, yeah, you're right, a, a lot earlier than yours. Yeah, I don't think I, I didn't get up till about quarter to six, so... Uh, <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry, buddy. Yeah. Uh, that's how it goes. Yeah, we, we had a good drive. and Yeah, uh, we always go north through Milwaukee yeah. and then east, or excuse me, west, west yep. um, to Madison. Madison. You get through Madison. You go yep. through the bottom side, bottom part of right. Madison on Highway 1218. Yep. You usually then, stop at Perkins for breakfast, but we... We didn't, and it wasn't restrained. It's uh, we we missed the exit. <laughs> we missed the exit. Part of it was we went through there right during rush hour traffic. Yeah, right. And I was way in the left lane, yeah. and I thought there's no way yeah. I'm getting over. But not to lane. be thwarted, we found a restaurant <laughs> for breakfast. Thanks to yes. uh, Google. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Yeah, the Copper Top Family Restaurant. It was kind of cool. It was just a little. Uh, Kind of homespun family restaurant in a residential area, right? We had to go through a residential yeah. uh, neighborhood to get there. In fact, I was thinking, I wonder if this Google map is wrong. But once we got there... Yeah, I know. There, it. I did too. I was it like, was oh, just a nice a sudden, little family-style yeah, restaurant. I don't remember what right. you have. Do you remember anything? I don't. I mean, it's prob- I always get bacon and eggs or something. It's pretty simple. I'm so. always uh, eating volume, so I'm not sure yeah. what it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's probably oh, a cheddar man. omelet. Yeah, I know it. I know. That's well, right. Well, one thing I remember about that is I have a picture of you on your cell phone because you were oh, yeah. ignoring me that morning. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Yeah, you were on your cell phone, so I take mine out. I think you were just trying to bait me into that, and you get a picture of me, which I don't need my family to see because they say, you're always on your cell phone. I'm like, yeah. no, I'm not. You guys are the ones. I hate that. <laughs> That new um, upgrade, or it's an update, uh, OS update from uh, from for the iPhone because now it tells me on average how many hours I spend each oh, day man. on my mobile phone. I'm so glad I have a droid. <laughs> I justify it by saying, well, my daughter plays oh, games man. on my phone, which oh, she does, wow. but I still spend way too oh, much time on my phone. That's funny. So, what stands out to you about the conditions that day? Oh, I, I think the biggest thing for me was the sun was out and there was a fresh foot of powder. I mean, it was just gorgeous, you know, about a foot of snow. And uh, we saw no other tracks. Nobody else had been in there, no other fly fishers. We didn't even see any other uh, fly fishers that day. So that was, that was pretty cool. It actually reminded me of when I used to live in Colorado and we'd end up 
getting up really, really early and driving west, you know, back in the day, mm-hmm. back in the 80s, it didn't take you two yeah. hours or three hours to get to Vail. It took you about an hour, hour and a half. And But you'd get up there and after a night of snow and you get up and it's just complete fresh powder, especially the oh, back yeah. bowls, the China bowl mm. of, uh, of Vail. Yep. Just unbelievable skiing. But that's actually what it reminded me of. Yeah. And it was actually a little bit difficult to trudge through because you you... There was you weren't st- you weren't on the crust of the snow. And no, you fell to the bottom. Uh, each step you, you were in, you know, you were trudging about yeah. a foot, foot and a half. And of there snow. were there were places along the bank where there were drifts, and so and you wouldn't know it. So all of a sudden you're you're waist deep in snow. I mean, only that only happened a couple times, but there were several times though where you know you get thigh deep, and and it was uh, it was just a lot of work. And what do you think? We go in about a mile and a half, we figure Yeah, maybe. generally a mile and a half. We go all yeah. the way. There's a, a, a kind of a wooden gate that we stop at. You can go another half mile, um, but we generally don't do that. Right. The runs are farther apart, and they're not that deep. Right, yeah. So, So yeah, that was that was a lot of work. It, it felt good, but... Uh, what about the temp? Yeah, you know, that, that was a crazy thing. Uh, temperature when we got there, because I looked on my cell phone <laughs> was 20 see that's what i you know i digress here but that's what i tell my family hey you know this is uh this is like a wallet this is uh, uh you know this is where i read all my books it's uh you know it's got everything on it it's even you know the thermometer it's where i get the weather so yeah temperature was about 23 to 24 and i think it got up to 30 but the thing was with the sun out there was zero wind which seems to be unusual in the spring i think there was one time early afternoon where there was just a little breeze and then that quit but i remember this because you know over the years even in my 20s when i would hunt you know in montana i you know my hands would still even get cold in my 20s and it didn't have to be that cold well i i even took my gloves off because my hands were getting so warm i couldn't believe it so even though it was yeah, well, temperature was lower than freezing. It really felt like a warmer day, would you say? Yeah, it really did. I, I would say though, there was that that time when it when the wind did come up. Oh my! It changed yeah, it really did. Uh, it was amazing. And it wasn't a stiff wind; it was just a little breeze. It just makes you realize how much that affects, um, kind of the feels like temperature, I guess. I think there was snow underneath the fresh snow there may have been six mm-hmm. or, you know, yeah. 12 inches of snow underneath that right but the only tracks we saw that day besides ours were the turkeys the coyotes and the deer and yeah uh, that we, was cool it was really really nice to see and we also fished basically for two and a half three hours basically from 11 to 2 30 yeah mm-hmm. and uh, you know in the winter when you're fishing there's no need to get up really really early no no, not and, at all. Uh, I mean, and, that, and, and also fishing late in the day. So really that window from 10 to 2, 10 to 3. But yeah. we, were there. we started fishing around 11. Yep. I think we peeled off our waders at around 2.30. Is that around? Yeah, right? I think so. It, o'clock, something like it, that. We'll talk about the fishing in a minute, but it's, it seemed to slow down anyway. So, yeah, we were It's like, well, we want to get back for our big Friday night plans, which yeah. are getting to bed before 10 after fishing like that. <laughs> Hey, you mentioned turkey tracks. I did see about a half a dozen turkeys fly from a stand of trees to the opposite hillside. I that, that. that was I must cool. Have been fishing. Yeah, I think you were. I think you were tying on something different, and 
even though I wanted to wait for you, I, th- I thought I'd just break trail, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, just, just to stop here, that stretch of river, and it's again, it's a small spring creek, but that stretch gets fished a lot. It gets pounded, actually, I think. And yeah. so we generally don't fish the blue uh, in other times of the year. No. Certainly once you hit April, May, we just simply don't fish that because it, it really is packed by other fly fishers and and it just it's just really crowded. And and it's a it's there's other streams in the area, but that stretch is really nice because yeah, it really is. You know, it's about an hour and a half, two hours to fish the entire mile and a half, two hour you know. It's about well, it's about an hour and a half to fish the stretch yeah. we fish. Yep. Hour and a half back or an hour back, and it just makes for a nice little afternoon. Really in does. the winter time. It does well. Let's talk about the fishing. Uh, what do you remember, Dave, about the fishing that day? I started out Euro nymphing. I think I had a, a hare's ear at the bottom, and I had a copper john, you know, imitating a midge, uh, my top fly. But I just didn't get any strikes on it. And yeah. I, it was perfect day for it in terms of the wind and in terms yep. of the ability to get up on the runs. I just yeah. didn't have any. I mean, I've yeah. been out. Well, last fall when I was out, the last time I actually fished with a Euro nymphing rig, I just killed it on the on the Willow Creek. So I had kind of those expectations. Yeah, in Montana. I, in Montana, right. yeah. yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, but I had no strikes. So within probably. 45 minutes to an hour, I switched to a woolly bugger. Yeah. So how about you? Well, you know, the water temperature, I, I had my thermometer and I kept dipping it in. Sometimes I clip it to my, uh, yeah, to my boots. But uh, yeah, I hadn't gone through all my stuff yet, so I couldn't seem to find the little carabiner that holds it on. So I just, anyway, I, I had it on the end of a string and every once in a while, I'd, or a boot lace, and every once in a while I'd dip it in the water and it was consistently the water temp was 46 degrees which is pretty good and again yeah. that's a it's a spring creek so it's going to feel it's going to be warmer but i fished a brown woolly bugger i i i know there's brown trout in that stretch so sometimes i've used a jj special which i love in montana but i don't know it's kind of big well uh, heavy with that torpedo uh yeah, that torpedo weight on the front of it. So I, I just pulled out a brown woolly bugger I tied a few years ago, and the hook side, the hook was actually a little bit big. It was uh, maybe like a six. So I, I ended up landing a couple that day. One was a really nice eleven incher, but I had four more on that I lost. I mean, fish that I I fought for a little bit, not just strikes and. So really, you know, your first time out on a on a day like that, I, I can't complain. Yeah, I also noticed that my rod tip and my first few guides iced up. I don't think I asked you about that. Did you have that happen? I didn't have yeah. much of that. I had maybe two times, yeah. three times during the stretch yeah. that we fished. So I just kept dipping it in the water, and we've talked about that before. You, you don't want to uh, try to break off those ice crystals with your, your fingers. I mean, you can... If you're careful, you can put your fingertips on, and if it's just starting to crystallize, but boy, if it's you know if, if it's if it's ice and you start applying pressure, uh, you can snap a guide off pretty easily. So I just kept dipping it in my rod tip, and it was only the first two or three guides. You know, the rest of them are bigger, so uh, you know you do your casting, and and stuff will get knocked off. But those really tiny openings. 
uh, they do ice up and so I, I just dip it in the water and presto it it was uh, it would clean it off I did break that rule a couple of times I broke it off with my fingers they it wasn't really built up yeah my, the, the issue that I had that day was it was hard to get close to the water on some of those uh, runs because of the snow buildup yeah it really things. was and you were you casting did, you did a little have to bit be farther. careful yeah, yeah. You, yeah mm-hmm. for sure you yep. have to be careful in fact I was just at the blue last week so this was two weeks after Steve and I fished I went back with my nephew and I caught six that day and I actually foul hooked two of them wow interesting huh. the That's day so that cool. you and I fished I only caught yeah. one I had another strike but I had spent most of my day well a good chunk of my day euro nymphing yeah you did but the the other day when I fished the blue, I, they were hitting an olive woolly bugger. Huh, and, nice. Uh, when I fished it the other day with you, <laughs> two weeks ago with you, I was fishing a black woolly bugger, and they just weren't hitting it that yeah. strongly. Color does matter. You had brown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, two days ago or three days ago, I was fishing with an olive. So And that's when I caught all the fish. Yeah. So I, I, it's really interesting on streamers why color... Yeah, I know. It does make a difference sometimes. I know it. It really does. I mean, I know that with nymphs yeah. and with dry flies, obviously, but mm-hmm. uh, it was a good reminder that even streamers, a color makes a yeah. difference. I remember Dave Cumling talk about our friend out in Montana that all of his woolly boogers are all, what do you call it, uh, earth tones yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, browns and olives and different you know, uh, variations right. of that. So hmm. That was good. It was a good day. It really yeah, was. It really was a good day. And that we hadn't fished for a while, so it made it really, really, uh, it was just a delight to go out there and fish a day. Yeah, Catch was. a few fish, and I felt satisfied about it, didn't you? I did, oh, I did too. Yeah, that was great. I mean, first time out of the year, and, and you catch a couple fish, and nobody else is on the water, and it's just gorgeous sun and you know snow, even though we had to trudge through. It was just beautiful. It really was. So what were some of our conversations that day? What you know, because that always oh, makes yeah. sense. It's eating. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's catching fish. Excuse me. It's eating, and then it's all about the conversation right. there and back. Because this is kind of an intense yes. day, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, man, what do we talk about? Oh, I know. Uh, kind of on the way, we just talked a little bit about what's next for each of us as we think about life, and I think we both concluded we're, we're pretty satisfied with with where we are in in a good sense. Neither. But I mean, both you and I have what I like to call that holy discontent, where we, uh, you know, we're, we're always trying to, to grow and learn and looking for the next opportunity. But, but in terms of where we live, you know, what we're doing in terms of our, our vocations, we're really, you know, we're, we're happy, we're satisfied with that. I think we talked too about what we want to do this year fly fishing. We did. And, yeah. I think we definitely want to go back to Montana again. We'll probably do that in the fall sometime. We also talked about Colorado, possibly mm-hmm, figuring right. out a way yeah. to uh, maybe to get up to uh, to the Collegiate Peaks Wilderness. Yeah, I would really like to do that. I'd love to do that too. I mean, that requires some serious hiking, but yeah. mm-hmm. I just think I don't think I've ever taken you up there. I've no, taken your I've, brother Dave yeah, I've up, not there. Been up there. I've taken before. my former uh, brother-in-law there. <laughs> Back in, I think it was yeah. like in, in the mid-90s, huh. uh, who's no longer my brother-in-law. Yeah. And uh, I've just taken a lot of people up there, but I've yep. never taken you up there. I'd really like, it's a tough hike. I mean, at yeah. the end of the day, we have to get up on the trail about 6 o'clock. 
we get up there around 9.30 or 10, fish for yes. four or five hours. And it would require the purchase of new hiking boots, right? Exactly. <laughs> we got to nail those down. Oh, man. In fact, we were looking at the uh, websites today. Yeah, that's right. I still have a pair that are pretty decent shape, but, man, I've, I've used them pretty hard. And I noticed last year when we were in Yellowstone that... Yeah, the, the tread, I, I could probably justify a new pair. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you tell a story, too, about your son, Corey, about his wrestling season? And I think we ah, discussed this, that. That's such a hard story. My son, Corey, is a senior in high school and has wrestled, I don't know, since he was in fourth or fifth grade. And, well, it's hard to even tell the story. It's such a long story. But he ended up winning conference in Illinois. That's a big deal for as big a school as is our school is we're always one of the top maybe 10 top 20 schools in the state and and the state is always in the top five probably in the, in the united states so corey uh won conference he beat it beat a kid who was ranked in state and my son corey wrestles 182 or wrestled 182 and so he beat a kid in double overtime to win conference so he ended up winning uh joining and won the all-conference uh, championship and then wow. on the all-conference team so long story uh, once you wrestle conference then they have what's called the state series you wrestle regionals sectionals and then state and in regionals he got second and so the top three go to sectionals so that meant that he got to go to sectionals he had to wrestle the number one kid in the nation <laughs> oh, lovely oh my Man. that was a war that was such a tough match for him and uh, but he did lose and uh, so he got second. So that means he was able to go to the sectionals. But at sectionals, he got sick. And so he had to drop out of sectionals. But the first night uh, when he was wrestling, he, they had to stop the match because he was dry heaving. He was so sick. Oh, man. He lost to a kid that he would have pinned just in the rest of the season. The kid wasn't that great. And Corey at that point was ranked in state and one of the better wrestlers, wrestlers in sectionals and really expected to go on to state. But he was so sick, he'd been out of school for two or three days, and he only went to school on that Friday so he could go to sectionals. Wow. He had influenza, he had sinusitis, and he had uh, bronchitis. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but anyway, so you were a great uh, uh, great listener on the on this trip. And when I wasn't on my cell phone, huh? <laughs> when you weren't on your cell phone, <laughs> That's right. yeah. In fact, at about probably the three-quarter mark, maybe that was where you started back going to your cell phone at the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> you were so bored yeah. is what I had to say. No, that was a pretty interesting story. We, we had a good talk. And yeah, even on the on the river, too, that was part of the fun. We'd fish and kind of walk in solitude and silence. And then we'd, we'd chat a little bit. And it was, it was just a great day. Yeah. Uh, anything else about the day? I mean... We, well, the late lunch at Tower Junction. Yeah, that's right. That's, we always... Outside of Monifert. Stop there. And uh, I always think of Tower Junction and Yellowstone Park. Yeah, I this is a different there. Tower Junction. Yeah, because of the sign, not the uh, not the landscape. But, uh, but yeah, we got home by 8. And really it was a great day because of the weather, the camaraderie, the sheer beauty of winter, the solitude. What? A few fish and I guess our first time out on the river for the year. So uh, all in all, a good day. Well, hey, it's time for great stuff from our listeners. Here's a comment from Alan. He recently emailed us and said, You guys numerous times have joked about fishermen wearing chest waders on an 80-degree day on your podcast, and I just wanted to say that at least here in New Jersey, there are more reasons than just staying dry that make me wear my waders in the summer. Here are my main two reasons. 
poison ivy, and ticks. Keep the podcast going. It makes my commute to work enjoyable. Well, that's a great comment by Alan. So we actually followed up with a post on why fly fishers wear waders when they don't seem necessary. And Joe offered this comment. He says, I propose that wearing waders is a good precaution to prevent an infection and possibly sepsis if you have a scratch wound or open sore. Think about what fish and wildlife do in the water and in the stream banks. Not to mention that many municipalities have their waste treatment plants on the very streams and rivers we fish. Boy, that's good. Yeah, I hadn't thought Never about it. I really yeah. hadn't either. And maybe that's because we do so much fishing in in the, the West and and also in, in Spring Creeks in Wisconsin, Minnesota, where uh, you, you don't have the, the issues. But I know fishing... Up near the Milwaukee. watershed is under the ground. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah, but I know up in Milwaukee when I fished before, you know, for some of the salmon coming in in the fall. I mean that you know the Milwaukee River, you know who knows what uh, yeah, you know, what gets in dumped the into that. River, yeah, yeah. For sure. so yeah, good uh, good reminders. Uh, there there can be reasons to wear waders even yeah even if it's a warm hot day if you can handle it. Now, for the final segment of our podcast, we've switched things up a bit, and we've added a new feature called Hook Set. Uh, This is where we set the proverbial hook and wrap up our podcast by sharing a quote that we reflect on for a few minutes. So today's quote comes from Tom Travis, a fly fisher who lives in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and it appears in his book, The Little Book of Fly Fishing. Uh, now, to set this up for you, our listeners, well, and also for you, Dave, because you, uh, you, you haven't seen this yet, uh, but Travis is talking about how some people make fly fishing look so easy, and they seem to be naturals at it. All right, now here's this quote. He says, the only fly fishing naturals are the bugs that trout eat. The appearance of effortlessness is the hard-won fruit of, of years of frustration, disgust, self-loathing and general bedevilment you don't learn fly fishing so much as you survive it end of quote wow that's great (laughs) isn't that true Well, that counters my thinking that there's the natural athletes that basically make it look so easy the first time they're out and they do there's a few of that do but maybe those are the outliers yeah i think so and and even then to get really good you you have to it just takes time and effort. You know, I was on my way here this morning. I was listening to uh, 670, the score. And, and of course, <laughs> that's I'm, one of my favorite stations. Uh, yeah. I'm a big Cardinals fan living in Chicago, Cubs country. But uh, they, they were talking about one of the Cubs players, uh, Wilson Contreras, who's a catcher and really talented guy. But he, he had a really tough year last year. And yeah, his he, hitting really he did. tailed off. And he kind of admitted in an interview, I thought this was interesting, that that uh, you know he really didn't work as hard as he should have to prepare himself. I mean, I admire that, his honesty. When do you hear a pro athlete say that? They'll say, well, I need to make some adjustments. But he said, you know, I just didn't work as hard. And that the guys on the score made the observation, you know what, you can have all the talent in the world, but it still takes a lot of hard work to play at that level. 
And Dave, I guess that's the same, you know, to fish at the level that you and I do, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which admittedly is a mid-level uh, mediocrity. Very mid-level. Yeah, but, but still, it, it takes time. I mean, you, you were talking about fishing recently with a, uh, with a guy who's just starting f- fly fishing. Great guy. And you, you just notice some of the little things that he wasn't doing. And, and that's, yeah, it, it's just a reminder that, yeah, it's the hard-won fruit. Even even being mediocre like you and I are. Yeah. I mean, it's the hard-won fruit of years of frustration, disgust, self-loathing, and general bedevilment. And we could write a book on every one of those adjectives. Yeah, that, that is really good. That's a really good reminder. One of the things I think that I could really improve on, and that's, and that's actually casting when I'm not fly fishing and going over to the high school and working on on the double hall or just working, yeah just mm-hmm, even seeing right. how you know because you have the yard lines you can see how far you're actually yeah. casting oh yeah that's right and and if there was one area that i i think i could really improve on all this other stuff reading water all, i mean that just comes from mm-hmm. 30 years yeah. of fly fishing or 35 years of fly fishing yep but the casting stuff is is an area probably that I could improve on. Certainly, when you're standing in a drift boat trying to cast out yeah. 70 feet, right? That's right. Hey, and by the way, when you when you say yard lines, you are looking at the yard lines and not the chalk marks at the side, right? <laughs> That's but, right. Yeah. Okay. That's Good. Right. I just want yeah. to clarify yeah, you that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, and I should say too, before we get uh, emails about this, I do understand that frustration, disgust, self-loathing, and general bedevilment. Uh, that those are nouns, uh, bedevilment. Yeah, general is an adjective, but I, I haven't forgotten my uh, <laughs> uh, my grammar. Uh, I'll, I'll so. make one more comment on yeah. this. So I, there have been fly fishers who have commented on um, on my my comments, saying that you know they are the natural athletes. And I'll say something that's really interesting. Everybody thinks of themselves as a natural athlete. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who makes the comment. Like, yeah. I'm one mm-hmm. of those. Yeah. You know? And I'm like, eh, maybe you are, maybe yeah. you're not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I know natural athletes who, yeah, the, the first time they go out fly fishing, they catch fish. But, wow, if, if you want to get good at a variety of conditions and, and a variety of, uh, um, you know, different species and, and you know, times a year. I mean, you, you know, we know one guy who's great dry fly fishing some of the small creeks, and you know, he'll beat us every time. But you know, you you know, get into nymphing if you're going to, you know, to catch some of the big hogs in the the, the fall when they're they're running. I mean, you you do have to learn some different techniques and some you different do. things. And so yeah, at the end of the day. It does take a lot of. It takes a, really a lifetime, in my yeah, opinion, to get does. to the point where you really enjoy the sport. Yep. And, uh, and that maybe that's the fun about getting older, is you you realize, hey, you know, we're you know we're we're a lot better. We have we have a long, long way to go, but we're sure a lot better than we were in our twenties and thirties and forties. Yeah. I was yeah. thinking about this the other day, and I said this on a recent podcast, but. I'm trying to think of the last time I went out fly fishing and didn't catch a fish. It yeah, just doesn't happen that often anymore. No, it really doesn't. I don't doesn't. think it's because I'm super. It's just that after so many years, you just kind of figure it out. You make it. To me, it's the adjustments that you make. Yeah, and that can only it's, come through. It's true. Through a lot of years of general bedevilment. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, I guess the point is don't don't give up either, and uh, don't get discouraged if if you have a slow day or you get a day when you don't catch anything and 
you know, all those frustrations turn into uh, uh, lessons and experience that you use later, whether you yeah, realize it sure. or not. Yeah, for sure. All right, that's all for today. Hey, thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing.